bitch. Ah, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Bitch, the Chicago. Hello everyone, what is up, and welcome to the latest episode of the We Love Dad Movies podcast. I'm your host, Ewan Patterson, and today I am joined, as ever, by my partner, Xander Garden. I wish I was in the kiddie pool. For context, we have a kiddie pool, because it's very warm in the UK at the minute. It's going to be even more scorchier by the time this thing comes out, because we've got a heat wave, wave, wave. But you know what else is really hot and heat worthy a film by michael mann who also directed the film we're talking about today he also directed a film called heat so that's that's what i just said oh i thought you said hot work heat yeah hot slash heat oh well there we go i'm clearly suffering from some kind of heat you've got heat i've got heat madness i think is the scientific you know what rhymes with heat thief yeah, it does. We're talking about Thief, everyone. Woo! Yeah, because sadly, last week, one of my favourite actors, James Kahn, passed away. And no, it, was, it, was, it wasn't it was last week, it was the week before last. And yeah, it really sucks, because he was a legendary actor with an incredible presence. Um, so many great films to his name. Obviously, many may recognise him as Sonny Corleone from the first two Godfather movies. Um, some may recognise him from Elf. The dad in Elf, yes, yeah. the two movies I've seen of him, Elf and the Godfather. <laughs> but you know, to others, they may be like, you know, that's that's Rollerballs, James Caan. That's or, Mickey Blue. Or, or Mickey Blue. Mickey Blue Eyes. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, we did the poll on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash will of dad movies. Shout out to our patrons, they're wonderful. We'll give them a, an official shout out at the end of the episode because we love them. And um, we did a poll on, on which James Caan movie to talk about this week because there are a few we didn't put the godfather movies on there because you know it's an ensemble cast and also we rewatched them last year um so we didn't want to do them again um but yeah we had killer elite on there which is a sam peckinpah movie from 1975 we had rollerball on there which is the one where he plays in a death sport that's called rollerball and it's a great time it's like the running man but with roller skates yes and motorbikes and spiky gloves and then we had thief which was um well technically it's michael mann's debut feature he did one before that called the jericho mile which kind of does and doesn't count depending on who you ask and then the other one was mickey blue eyes which was a favorite not a favorite of my dad's but he he always whatever that was on like the on TV, he'd always put it on and be like, hey, I'm going to watch... Mickey oh, Blue. Why have I given him an Italian-American <laughs> accent? Why is your dad now Italian? He's, he's like Mickey Blue Eyes. But the, the poll result was two two for Thief and and one for um, Mickey Blue Eyes. And then my <laughs> I asked to check the poll results. I clicked accidentally on one of the results. So I was like, you know, I'll, I'll just put one to Killer Elite so it doesn't look... It doesn't skew the results. But yeah, talking about Thief... A movie I have watched three times. The first time I watched it, it didn't really gel with me. I watched it a second time when I was 20 and then I fell in love with it. And then I've just rewatched it again. And it, it's 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 a fantastic film. And Michael Mann is one of my favourite filmmakers. In crisp Arrow video format. I love these Arrow Blu-rays. Mm. They're really they're really chill. I like them. They always, um, some of the deluxe ones always have some nice little goodies in them. Yeah, little postcards. Yeah, maybe. but um, this one, this one was well done as well. Uh, it comes with some nice special features and, you know, different things about Mann and, and Khan. And yeah, no, Thief is, is a great, noir movie uh and a great debut for man himself you know he he bursts onto the scene in this movie um with already you know such a, a unique in you know unique uh visual autorial intent yeah I think it's very clear you see so many of his hallmarks in here like 
you know, the career-driven protagonist, the city shots, bodies of water. It, it's, it's, he loves a good city movie, does man. He loves the nighttime. He loves a good bopping soundtrack. He does. All this done by Tangerine Dream. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I said, I watched Manhunter for the first time last year. Um, and the, the one thing that really stood out in that film to me is just like, he's so, I don't think a filmmaker is better at, at capturing nighttime cityscapes than Michael Mann. He just has a great eye for artificial light and how to do that and, and color block his scenes. And, you know, Thief is a very icy blue movie. Also a bit damp, very wet, mm. very rainy Chicago kind of setting that we have here. And, you know, it, it's rendered in such uh, equal parts beauty, but also equal parts kind of, I'm not going to say sterile. I'm going to say cold. You know, you get the sense that, that Frank, our protagonist, he's navigating an environment that is very much, you know, it's it's cold and unforgiving, uh, and he's using all his wily smarts to 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 make the best of, of of what he's been dealt in life. So before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of thief, I feel like that's <laughs> how you have to have to say the title. Um, <laughs> what is it for you about James Jimmy Khan that was such a so appealing to you as, as an actor and as a as a you know a, a big factor in holly in in hollywood for he, so many years he's the man's man mm. uh, there is there is a rawness to james khan that i think you know there's a roughness there's a roughness to him and um, whether that's you know the, there's also a hairiness to him that's the other thing that i'm kind yeah, of getting he's at a here very is hairy like, man. um he um he to me you think of like so many like hollywood stars and how immaculately kind of like um groomed and presented they are and 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 whatever but james khan Whenever he was in a movie, yeah, he usually ended up playing tough guys, um, but he was always believable in them. And I think that, you know, in regards to Thief specifically, it lends itself very well to Michael Mann's works because he is a director who, you know, like you mentioned earlier on, he kind of approaches people through their professions. There was that really good bonus essay that we had on, on this Blu-ray. I forgot by who, but, you know, kind of deconstructing Thief and putting it within the context of man's filmography. But with, with, with Khan specifically, um, a guy who had a real physical presence. People talk about Tom Cruise's run. We don't talk enough about Jimmy Khan's strut and walk. He's only, well, I say only. He was, I looked it up because I was like, God, he's so tall. He's He was 5'10", which isn't like, he's it's tall. Not, it's not, not mega tall, but, but he's, he's but a he presence. he carries himself. And, and you know, and I joked yesterday when I was watching... Uh, I slapped my hand. So, so into it. <laughs> hand slapping um, goodness. He, uh, he's built like a Minecraft villager because he's just <laughs> massive arms, really long legs, and just a brick for a torso. You, he's a built man. You look at him and you know that even though he's not roided out to shit, he would he would mess you up. He he would take you out and hit you into a fire hydrant there's a, there's for beating a... for beating his sister's wife. Yes, his, his sister's. Uh, yes, his. And yes, then bite your knuckles. Sister, yes. But there was a really yeah, good yeah. anecdote that came out actually um, after his passing where he was on, I think it was like the Howard Stern radio show or whatever, because one thing that is is interesting, and so we talk about James Khan being authentic per- as a person. Um, after, I think it was like his initial kind of phase of his career, he basically did barely any movies and he lost all of his money. And he during that time, he coached Little League Baseball. And he talks on, I think on on the Stern radio show. I'll, I'll link the clip uh, when we we tweet this episode out. And um, he's talking about how he got into a dispute with some other the other team's coaches or whatever, um, because they like were being unfair to this kid that was on his team who managed to do like a home run, but they were saying, "Oh, he didn't touch this base or whatever." 
and he was saying how after the game they came at him with baseball bats and rather than cower away he just started approaching them armless and they started running away from him and when it, with any other actor i'd be like oh you're just gassing yourself up there but with james khan there's there's a real there's a genuine realness to him Nah, he'd knock me out like... like he just he just seemed like a genuine person and when you talk about you know hollywood like being a, a place full of artifice or whatever jimmy khan felt like the real package whether that was in you know um in in, in a thief um or something in in, in the godfather or, or whatever you know he he really brought a sense of believability to these roles and you know when he was the leading man he was always great yeah no he um he had a very he had a good knack for playing tough guys and i feel like frank in thief he's the most sensitive of all the the james khan tough guys he's um you know he's a guy who's basically a, a proper professional he's the top class thief you know going in and robbing places he has his own set of rules you know, similar to if you've seen he Neil McCauley played by Robert De Niro, he has this whole rule where he's like, if I can't, you know, walk out anything in life, I can't walk out in five minutes from. It's not, I think it's five minutes, whatever. He's like, I, I don't commit to. Um, and Thief, you know, Frank in that, he kind of has a similar approach where it's like, I only want to, you know, do heists for diamonds and, and cash. cash yeah. Uh, I don't want to get involved in any anyone's kind of like big business like that. He just wants to do that for himself. Uh, he works for himself. He has his partner, and played by um, Jim Belushi. Um, and you know, he has this he has this established set of rules. And but at the same time, as someone who you know was pushed, we learn as the film progresses that you know he he was basically sent to prison for a while, and he was state raised in an orphanage, and um, basically had a lot struggled a lot. Um, and you get to that situation where he's like. I don't want to keep doing this forever. I can't keep doing this forever. I'm enjoying living at large with a, my, my silk shirts and my, my suit, gold yeah. watch. I go through cars like men change their laundry or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's he doesn't want that forever. So that's when um, Tuesday Weld's character mm-hmm. comes. He plays Jesse. He plays Jesse and, you know, he kind of basically <laughs> arrests this woman when he turns up late to their date because he's, you know, having a run-in with, with Leo, who we'll talk about as well. Um, and and he's ha- been encouraged by his mentor, Oak Oakler, who is yeah, still in prison. Played by Willie Nelson, yeah. Uh, he's still in prison. He's got a heart condition. He's not going to make it for his last 10 mm-hmm. months of his sentence. And he says to him, if you want this girl, you need you need to be honest with her. Yeah. Because that's the only way you're going to make this last. Yeah, and they have that amazing scene in the, the diner where he basically lays out his entire plan. And he his has in- this yeah. serial killer-esque <laughs> collage of his dream life with a wife and kids and a car and Okla who is free. And she's just looking at her like, what the fuck? Yeah. But it's because he, you know, he, I think he's in prison for, I think, 15 years or something mm-hmm. from like when he was a, a late teenager and he yeah. was, like, you know, raised and then that's how, where he learned to become a thief. And he has this kind of idealist warp perception of what he wants his life to be like, and that's what he's working towards. Yeah, it, it's, it comes from a sense of because the other the other interesting thing about Frank in this movie is that he is um, he he's pretty much lost. He he's both the ultimate pessimist and the ultimate idealist. He self describes himself as when he was in prison and became numb to everything. Yeah. that he is just nothing. Yeah, and you, and he has to he's had to adopt that personality because. And any the moment you start to care, it's the moment where you get sloppy. You know, he talks about how at one point he fended off, you know, what was a, a gang rape attempt, and ended up 
you know, getting an additional rap for manslaughter because he defended himself in prison. And he talks about from that moment on, like, you know, he, he didn't know whether he'd live or die. And the moment you don't care about that, the moment he he operated most effectively, but he's reconciling that. And, you know, with, with, with Jesse, he wants to have this, this, this family. He wants to give someone else the life that he couldn't have. And she is also, you know, self-admittedly, she's in a very, you know, boring kind of dead-end job. She's and previously not, had experienced she, hardship yeah, too. Yeah, she can't, she's not able to biologically have children. Mm. And so, you know, she kind of has this sense of unworthiness. And so that's when they kind of agree, like, hey, this is our last shot, really, at starting a family. Let's just see where see where this goes. Yeah, and that brings us to Leo. Uh, and so basically at the start of the movie, um, you know, we have the whole initial heist where they, they, they rob a, a vault for all its diamonds. Frank goes to see his fence. Said fence then gets, uh, then takes a, a 30 feet, a 30 foot <laughs> dive the onto, building, the, yeah. on, onto the concrete. Uh, and it's heavily implied that, you know, Leo is responsible, basically. Mm-hmm. And in order to do business with this guy, uh, after he gets paid for the initial job, Leo comes up to him with a job proposition. He's like, hey, you can work for me. One last job. Oh, it's not even a one last job no. thing. You know, that's the thing that's interesting about this is that Frank approaches it as a one last job thing. Mm, but Leo, true, yeah. Leo's like, I've got a long-term contractual thing I'm for you. I'm part of a union. Yeah, we'll you, look after yeah. you. What is, a, what is a union, but really turns out to be like the friendly, smiling boss who is actually obviously out to exploit your labor and, and, mm. and, and, and whatever. Uh, and he has that, that proposition where he's like, I, I pay you a set fee. You come work for me. Uh, I'll look after you. There's this big heist I want you to do. Yeah, and then I'll get you to do more after that. So Frank, at this point, he's like, well... <laughs> not, not keen. He's like, ah, I want to work for myself. But then, now that he has the relationship has as, Jesse, a, as a motivating yes. factor, he's kind of like, I... As I said to you yesterday, pussy is one hell of a motivator. <laughs> it's true. In all of Michael Mann's movies, there, there is an element is of true. pussy motivation. <laughs> pussy is a big motivator in Michael Mann movies, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah, he, he basically decides to do the job from there, and, and, you know, he does... He, Jim Belushi is still involved with them. A very understated performance from, yes, yeah. from, from you know, Jim. It's, it's not comedic, it's obviously, like... And this is the other thing as well, you know, researching for the movie, learning about how much research went into the different portrayals here and you know it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who is familiar with michael mann he's a very detail and research oriented filmmaker you know a lot of the police officers that they that they cast are actual yeah some of the some of the detectives in that scene where frank gets interrogated were actual cops and one of them was the guy that inspired uh i think it's chuck adamson the guy who inspired al pacino's character and and he um and there's also uh, the 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 so the the film itself is based on a book called The Home Invaders, mm-hmm. uh, which was written by an actual master thief, and he consulted on the movie. I think James Caan actually met him when he was basically coming up with his portrayal of of Frank. Um, and yeah, no, there there is there is a real authenticity. I've forgotten where I'm going with this point, um, but yeah, the actual character driven drama of Thief is. It, it, it's it's both understated but like also really superb and because it is a neo-noir as well that makes the the inevitable destination yeah. where things kind of go all <laughs> not great uh, it makes it feel genuinely earned and this is where we deviate and I, <laughs> we had this discussion yesterday in that i feel like and other you know others listening you may agree with me you can hate me 
Um, I I just I think we've come to the conclusion that I don't like noir as a genre. Yeah, you don't. This is the this is the thing that I've come up with because like, but a lot of the movies that I've shown you are like classic staples that Mm -hmm. have been homaged to, satirized, parodied over many many created tropes. Yes, yes. So like, when sometimes when you, you you encounter these pieces of media, you find the what even though they were original you're so familiar with the archetype now that you're a little bit kind of like Meh. not as invested and noir as a genre is very structured it's you know got it's a very all... set uh, amount of clichés and rules and expectations well yeah with, with, a, with a when genre. you when you consume a noir story more or less you know you're going to get a downer of an ending you know you're going to you going you know you're going in for something that is there's going to be some misogyny. There's going to be <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a betrayal. Yeah. You know, there's going to be some hardship. And, you know, it, and Thief is a, I guess, kind of thriller you know, noir. It's, it's very 80s. It's very, you know, a bit of 70s in there. It's very kind of of, of, the, of the decade. If I got my history say. cap on, we would say we would periodize this in the... It, surveillance in the, era in the long Ooh. 1970s yeah. the long 1980s <laughs> um, but yeah i think the for, for me this is kind of where the movie kind of loses me is that you know you have uh you know he's getting more money oakla's out of prison to make sure like you know he's now dying of his heart condition to make sure he doesn't die in prison uh, which is nice for him because you know he essentially raised him you know things are going well with jesse his his, his wife um you know um leo was like oh i heard your wife can't have kids do you want me to buy you a baby and he's like yeah sure buy me a baby and thinks uh this won't come back to bite me in the ass at any point and you know it gets to i'd say two two thirds through the movie and they successfully complete the heist you know everything goes off without a hitch you know he works with jim belushi's character and another character he works with who he's his go-to guy for kind of breaking through locks and stuff and it's a very thick metal so they get this proper welding tool it's a very like great shot scene where they're like breaking into the vault and you just know things aren't gonna go well and then I think for me that's what I dislike about noir and that's not to say I don't like movies that are typical in their uh, structure but I feel like with noir as a genre you always know that something bad is going to happen and that just makes it not interesting it loses me because I kind of expect the tragedy see predictability is not a barometer for quality in my brain like I, I can if something is predictable like I'm fine with that like it to, to me it means the story is doing its job and with a noir thing I, I, I really enjoy noir movies so and, and noir storytelling in general so I'm kind of always prepared for it when I go into a noir story the thing that I'm always looking for isn't like the, it isn't like I'm expecting it to do anything different. What I'm expecting for is where it's going to punch me. <laughs> no, this is true. Yeah. I, I don't dislike noir because it's always a downer. I just mm-hmm. dislike it because I know that that's. Oh, no, going that's what to I'm happen. saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying that, like, I, I, I that the whole thing comes down to it. It's like even if I know the direction of the story, it's not a thing that's like weighing on my mind is like a bad thing. In conclusion, Ewan is a little sicko. Yeah, I am a little sicko. Uh, I'm a <laughs> noir fiend. Um, and, and Thief, you know, if, if I'm gonna, if there are any elements of Thief to criticize is that, you know, it kind of, it does kind of, there is a slight meandering nature towards that kind of file, but I enjoy the slow burn nature of it all. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, the first time I watched it, I did kind of bounce off it. Uh, and then I, I approached it again after watching a few other of, of Mann's movies, like Collateral and Heat and The Insider as well, which is a fantastic film. Um, I, I reapproached it and I just, it kind of just, it clicked with me. Uh, and part of that is the actual filmic elements that we have here. You know, the cinematography. It's a fantastic um, 
Shot it's just movie. it's a gorgeous film and it's 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 such a great way to announce like obviously man had done tv work before he'd done stuff on starsky and hutch and then after this was when he did uh, miami vice the tv show and obviously manhunter um but it was just a great way to announce yourself and the thing that i love most about thief is that even though it is highly stylized and 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 you know some of the elements of it are quite fantastical um it feels authentic it never feels like it's um there's a there's a lack of um believability to the characters or or the drama taking place you know it all feels kind of you know i believe in frank as a character like i look at him and i'm like yeah i fully believe everything that like you know you you, you all that's that's part of you know james khan's strength as well but even with like belushi's character he has very very little to do but the professionalism with which that character specifically not belushi obviously professional actor but the way that the character kind of you know, he's he's Frank's friend, but he's not like a, a big pal, you know what I mean? Uh, Barry like, is his Yeah, name. Barry. Like he he's in the vicinity. He's really good at what he does, you know, he kind of handles the surveillance aspects of things. Um and it's just the way they carry themselves. The, the, the my man is a very much he's focused on the minutiae, the the minute details of things. And Thief, you know, everything is, is exact. It's never kind of like uh, imprecise with how it carries itself and i think you know you mentioned about how um it feels authentic and that's because even with the tropey quote-unquote elements where stuff starts going going wrong um it is kind of grounded you know uh you know okla gets out of prison and then immediately starts dying mm-hmm. and, and frank goes to visit him and you know dies of a heart attack pretty much then and there um you know thing he does the does the job and you know is immediately underpaid and leo's like well it's a damn shame and just 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 ruins his life for for, from that point and i feel like it's almost it feels like everything's too good to be true in 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 a way like you know everything's going so right for him and you know uh, you know, he's untouchable for a bit. You know, the, the, you have these police officers, corrupt police officers who try to blackmail him. And he's like, nah, mate. I this is my cars. money. This is my labor. Yeah. I did this. Uh, you don't get a single cent. Uh, and he gets beaten up, uh, you know, by a bunch of police officers who are like, we know something's going down. He's like, no, it ain't. Leave <laughs> me alone. Um, and then quite funnily puts uh, the tracker from his car onto a bus that's heading to Texas <laughs> as they're driving away. But it all, always feels very grand. And I think that is because the thing that is most appealing about this movie to me is it's sort of a character study of Frank's character and how, oh, totally. and how he kind of has this American dream sort of, or warped perception of an Amer- American dream kind of lifestyle. Uh, and, you know, he's talking to Okla um, through like the, the visitor's gate thing about kind of like, oh, you wouldn't believe what it's like out, out here now. And Okla's talking about how, you know, you know, 20 years ago in prison, it was just us guys, and they put, like, you know, the rapists and serial killers on the funny, Now we have the, the sickos bar, in here, too. And now they're all in here, and it almost kind of is an allegory to Frank's entrance into the world of organised crime. And how there are sickos everywhere, like Leo. And that's the that's another thing I want to point out here, is that you mentioned the American Dream. Obviously, American Dream is a big, big, big element of cinema, mm-hmm. the American film. Um, but the one thing that always stands out to me in Thief um, is how uncomfortable... Even though Frank and and Barry, you know, these are two characters who aspire to, you know, they've, they've done very well for themselves from all their thiefing and stuff. Um, all of this luxury, all the luxury wares they own, all the luxury cars, all the luxury clothes, all the, you know, the, the actual house they're in, 
They never look comfortable. They're not satisfied. They never... Well, no, I don't even think it's a satisfaction thing. I just think that it all feels uncomfortable. And there is a... You know, this is this is still um, pre-Reagan. So we're not quite at, like, you know, the... The the, the 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 peak 80s excess era. Um, but in terms of like, you know, these guys basically, you know, they, they pulled themselves up from, you know, really dire situations. And now they're at the peak of everything. But there is no satisfaction. I guess you're right with the satisfaction. There is no satisfaction to that. And I feel like all the, the luxuries that they own in this movie, it, it all feels like it's not who they are deep down. It's all kind of like a performance performance. Well, it's element. like when um, that's the bit I was going to talk about mm. before, where um, Frank and Jesse go to an, initially go to an adoption service, mm-hmm. and it's pretty much immediately just uh, not only talked down to by the staff member, but like, well, you know what you did in prison, you know that you know it's not necessarily good enough proof, and then he obviously rightfully kicks off <laughs> and causes a bit of a a bit of a scene, and that also feels very very ground like grounded and real based on kind of that characters experience and that's when you know leo through his many connections goes hey i heard you wanted a kid i can buy you one yeah <laughs> and then at no point does frank think hmm this guy got me a baby i'm sure he'll let me leave after this one job <laughs> uh, yeah and it's um it, it, the way the way the house of cards comes crumbling down it's intense uh, it's because it, you, you throughout this time where he's kind of fostering this business relationship with leo leo's so charming um, he's so fatherly and, and so you see the, we get we go back to frank's new house quite a few times you know they're building like a all these different play areas for the kid that they they're going to adopt or you know and they're, they're, they're arranging their perfect little, you know, little house upon a hill kind of American myth style situation. And it's it's being intercut with the whole Leo element. And then, like you say, when when it, when, when everything kind of comes collapsing down, it does it's come down like a, in a ton of bricks, you know. As soon as Frank offends Leo, you know, the next thing we know, he's going back to his car dealership. And Barry's being blasted by a twelve gauge shotgun uh, against a van. He's getting beaten up. Um, yeah, you know he's in a in a warehouse, and Leo's just just letting him have it, just saying all this horrible like, like how I own stuff. you. I like I, I could... own your baby. Yeah, I can put him in a meat grinder, and people will be eating him and his wimpy burgers. Yeah, wimpy the next bur- day. What a throwback! Yeah, the wimpy. <laughs> Do you ever have what? a wimpy burger? I can't say I have. I used no. to have a few. I had a, I had a few. They're a rare sight. But there were a few that were doing the rounds. Like there a... could have been some mob babies in it. Not mob babies. No, not mob babies. To be no. fair, the burger was the mob baby special. I should well, have maybe yeah. should have maybe thought about but this. That's so intense because it's so you know even in their first meeting, Leo is still you can tell he's like a little a little sly. But when that relationship blossoms, he seems to genuinely care care about Frank. But does he? This ah, is this is the great thing the about Marxist reading. Well, I, don't, thief. I think the best thing about this movie is that it is the ultimate like. I'm going to call it a pro-union movie, and and the union in yes. this the, the union in this instance is James Kahn's Cult Forty Five. Uh, there is <laughs> there is a whole element here of you know this Frank is a character he has worked and strived to get to where he is in life. You can talk about it, you know, undermining the gains of other people, but really what he's doing he is making a living. He is working hard. He's working. He's busting his ass out in that rainy, the windy city. You know. Every every month or so to to take home these big scores, and he is very good at what he does. Leo comes in like a new prospective employer, charming Frank, being like, "Oh, we'll look after you. 
we'll do, you know, we'll, you'll I'll have, look after my people, is what yeah, he says. You get to do, times. you get to do what you want. Don't worry about it. I'll look after you. You can, you're, it's your terms. It's your, your money. Yeah. It's your money. It's your arrangements. You know, I just want to work with you. I think we can work well together. And lo and behold, to no one's surprise, it turns out to be a big bag of shite because Leo is like the ultimate in, you know, vulturist capitalism. He is like looking at Frank and what does he go and do? When Frank comes to collect his money, he he said to, to Leo prior in the movies, like, I don't want my money tied up in investments. I don't want my money tied up anywhere else. I want to be paid in cash when I've done the contract. And what does Leo do? Pays him some in cash, but it's like I've set up the rest of your funds in a in a lease account, you know, in a, in, a, in some kind of business thing. You you basically sign up and you've got your enterprise and you get regular income that way, which Frank doesn't want. Um, so at that point, he has been screwed over, uh, and then you realize he pretty you know he confesses that every nice thing he has done for Frank has been a in a, in a bid to keep him under his control and to keep being able to be in a position to exploit his labor. And that's that great scene where he realizes it. And then, and Leo goes to him, have you ever thought about joining a labor union? And then Frank's like, I'm wearing it right now. And I love, I love that clap back. And the best thing is, you know, the finale where Frank does exercise on his threat. Um, you know, he, he is like, you know, that's, that's the power of the union, baby. (laughs) Well, he, what's interesting about that last kind of 10 minutes is that, he reverts back to that kind of destructive prison personality. Yes. You know, he wakes up his wife and goes, here's some money. I don't love you. Leave. Yeah. And just, you know, there's no kind of, and she has to know that, she, that that it's fake from him. She mm-hmm. has to know that this is hurting him. He does it. He's do, he's being mean to her just to push her away. But in no way in his, in Khan's performance in that scene, does it give like, a, Oh, I'm so torn up about this he's it's, like because it's a role he's practiced before he's like yeah you need to leave i don't love you take the baby i want nothing to do with you get out and you know and it is to it is to protect them because leo in the prior scene said some very choice words about mm. what he'd do to his wife and child if he double crossed him again um and you know he he just becomes so, so, uh, this void i guess he just becomes this as you say this nothing kind of character and as you say the ending of the movie is him walking destroying his own life street and that's you know it doesn't matter again he goes back to that point of it doesn't matter where he lives or dies again it's perfect because that whole that whole final sequence before he confronts leo he is burning down his life he burns yeah he burns he blows up the house he blows up the bar that he goes to frequents that called the green mile blows up his um (laughs) his, his car dealership and then scrunches up the, the photo, the, the, the collage, the, the, you know, the, the dream that he had—it's well and truly buried because he realizes that he's lost everything. Yeah, yeah. and he's always going to be under the thumb of someone else unless he takes matters into his own hands and and resists. And that entire final sequence where he does get into Leo's house—it's um—it's not like a an all guns blazing shootout. No, there's and... a great scene where, like, I think the housekeeper or maybe yeah, Leo's yeah. wife sat watching TV and sees like Frank beat up one of the henchmen and she just and quietly he gets go- over she goes <laughs> quietly back to watching yeah. TV again. Yeah, that whole that whole bit and again it comes down to Michael the the, the exact the exactness of, of Michael Mann's filmmaking where it's um you know Frank comes into this house and it's very like there's no dramatic monologue or anything. No, no, no. He just kills him yeah he just kills him you know t- double taps him in the chest and then one to the head for good measure 
and then he has the, the the shootout at the end, which is filmed so well. You have that great transition where, after expending one clip of his of his handgun, he does that he does reload, a great little reload the, shot, the shot yeah. and like that that shot when he does the reload and then begins firing again is fantastic. And then you know he takes he takes another hit from um, oh, I've forgotten the actor's name. He's 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 he was in Law and Order and a bunch of other he's, stuff. He's, he is in Law and Order and yeah. he's in a bunch of uh, other stuff. I've forgotten his name completely. Oh, he's I, all, I love him, I yeah. love seeing him in in movies. But he takes a shot from him and you have that that reveal where it's like you know he was wearing body armor. Dennis Farina. Dennis Farina. There that's it, of course is. But he's wearing body armor and after killing them, he just takes takes he just opens his shirt a little bit and like you say, he just disappears into the night. He has been consumed. He's basically nothing. He is he has ceased to be. One could say. The one his could. life was stolen from him, thiefed, if you will. His life was stolen yes. from him. Leo was the real thief. Ah, TM. Yes, that's. I like that reading. Yeah, yeah, but he just disappears, and it's such a great ending. I love, love, love that. Very yeah, again, very noir. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, <laughs> as we established, is a is a genre that I I don't vibe with, but that's fine. That's fine. You don't have to vibe with everything. Yeah. But yeah, no, I love Thief. Um, I think it's it's not my favorite Michael Mann movie. I do think Manhunter probably is my favorite. I would say Collateral's Collateral, my favorite. Yeah. I do. I fucking love Collateral. Yeah. But I would maybe say that you know if we're talking about movies that where James Caan was the lead and not just part of an ensemble, then I would say this was my favorite James. Caan it's a movie. very. I think with another actor, I don't know it if his uh, yeah. performance would would have worked. It is such a good. Um, character piece, if if you will, I think Khan really carries that. And I think I think as you say, one of the best scenes in the movie is that diner scene where he's just rambling. He's just mm-hmm. talking about everything that happened to him in prison and kind of how he sees his life going forward. And is basically begging Jesse to get you know give him a chance so he can have this dream life he's kind of constructed for himself. And I think it's such an interesting an interesting character that's not kind of typical of your you know dissatisfied with my working life criminal type <laughs> yeah archetype. and he's a man who doesn't gamble but in that moment he starts to gamble and mm-hmm. that's where things that's where things go wrong and you know that you can draw parallels with heat and macaulay's character i think the the essayist on the on the blu-ray extras he talked about how john dillinger is also a similar thing where he's so exact but he didn't think of an exit plan you know frank's exit plan this situation he didn't have one he just wanted to have his happy ending and he didn't consider that leo wouldn't give it to him and you know at that point he has to take matters into his own hands and i just think i think it's a brilliant story um the main the main the best thing about this though is is man's direction i do think Khan's performance is excellent um but it's just whenever i look at a michael mann movie i'm always just like ooh, pretty <laughs> you know i think of like you know each of his films have such a distinct color palette you know thief it's like the icy blues Manhunter, there's like the neon purples and oranges, you know, uh, Heat's quite a greyed out blue movie. And then with, um, you know, Collateral, it's like ambers and oranges. And yeah, I love, I just love how he captures Urban urban Skates. He's a very, very, very good filmmaker. And then there's just Last of the Mohicans, which Great is film. a real odd liar in his filmography. Yeah, it is. I like, I like how he has that, that, that versatility to his, his filmography, you know. It's, um, even though his bread and butter is, is, is crime- um he always you know finds the time to to step out of his comfort zone and looking forward to seeing it what he eventually does with this heat 2 sequel because <laughs> the book's out i want to read it when it properly comes out and 
yeah, curious to see what comes out. But yeah, this was the um, the James Caan special of Wheel of Dad movies mm-hmm. on Thief. A true banger of a movie, I I think. And um, yeah, just really, really sad to see, you know, James Caan go. He did like a tweet of mine once. He which, did, yes. Which I will always treasure about me talking about how I wanted the James Caan sweater where it was all the different Jimmy Caan faces on it. And he liked the tweet. He did, he did like the tweet, which... I'll have to save for that now. <laughs> um, but yeah, this has been the We Love Dad Movies podcast episode on Thief. Before I go, I want to give a quick shout out to our patrons and Thomas Mulgrew, Shaka, and Josh Brown. Thank you all so much for supporting the podcast on Patreon. You can do so yourself if you want to at, at patreon.com forward slash We Love Dad Movies. Uh, you can pledge at three separate tiers. You'll get access to early episodes, essays, um, polls and shout outs and um, you can also submit questions to the podcast no one has done that yet I will remind the patrons that they can do that um, but yeah you can all those goodies are awaiting for you at patreon.com forward slash we love dad movies the next essay will be ready next week it's going to be on John McTiernan and all his movies because we're in a big John McTiernan phase I've written the introduction in the first section and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you all. But yeah. Um... Wow. Up to date progress reports on the essay. Yeah. Here on the podcast. That's what you need. You need to know that I'm not just plonking my ass on mm. the couch and, and playing war games, which I do spend an inordinate amount of time doing. <laughs> and also now lounging in the in the kiddie pool. Lounging in the kiddie pool, yeah. Just dangling the old the old feet in there. You to do cool have off. you don't have the hairy James Khan chest, but you've got very hairy legs, so really it's in true spirit. <laughs> it is. I just appreciate a hairy king. <laughs> <laughs> Where can they find you on social media, Ewan? They can follow me on Twitter at Ewan Ruins Things. They can also follow me on Letterboxd. Uh you should be able to just find me by typing in Ewan Patterson. There is the obviously the Wheel of Dad movies Twitter as well which is just twitter.com forward slash we love dad movies or you can just do at we love dad movies where can they find you zen in the kiddie pool away <laughs> from all people <laughs> do, anywhere, or on letterboxd or on letterboxd and, and then you can also get react with equal incredulity when i when you see the 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 ratings the rating like my, my controversial <laughs> ratings of uh, of classic movies but yeah um thank you all for listening and um we'll hopefully have you around for the next one see ya end of tweet and oh you make me cry <laughs> bye bye